Hi everyone, this is Working Title, the podcast where we, four intrepid, handsome, intelligent, and entirely fraudulent reviewers, watch and review IMDb's top 250 English language movies as of November 2019, going from bottom to top. So watch along with us, and... I also think of Kids Bop, but I think of Hanson, and then I realize that Hanson wasn't Kids Bop. They were just a band with kids in it. Mm, bop. Do, do, do. All right, everyone. Um, welcome back for episode 47 of Working Title, not counting the specials, which we said we'd do, but haven't yet. Um, <laughs> so we're coming off of, what was the last one? The best years of our lives, and we're stepping forward a little bit in time, fortunately, to uh, the 1975 movie Dog Day Afternoon, one of the movies that sort of, I guess, cemented Al Pacino as a both as a star and... Uh, sort of helped establish him typecast in like the crime movie role. I mean, I think the Godfather part one came before this, but this is, you know, another instrumental role for Al Pacino. Two Godfathers. Part two was in 74. So your thesis is flawed. All right, we got to start over. All right, so (laughs) Dog Day Afternoon is, um, (laughs) it is based on a true story of a bank robbery that happened in Brooklyn, I think, in 1972, um, with Al Pacino playing, uh, you know, the lead role of a guy who in the movie is named Sonny, uh, and in real life was named, my Polish pronunciation is tough, but I think it's John Wojtowicz, and, um... Yeah, and uh, John Cazale playing Salvatore Naturiel. But yeah, so it it's like a, a bank heist gone wrong is sort of the premise where they go in, they're supposed to be out in 10 minutes, and they're not. Stuff goes wrong, you know, like these people at their breaking point. It's kind of interesting because it is definitely not The Godfather or Scarface. It's not that kind of crime movie at all. But before we get to it, um, uh, get too far into it and start talking about what happens and stuff in this movie... I'd like to do a little introduction to ourselves, a little prompt. Um, today, our prompt is, so in the movie, Al Pacino or Sonny is uh, demanding and sometimes like also very reasonable in a funny way, uh, captor, I guess, of all of the hostages and, uh, you know, making all kinds of demands reasonable and not. If we were in a bank heist, right, and making demands, w- what unreasonable demand would... Uh, all of our reviewers in the studio make. I'll go first. My name's Jack. And if I were making unreasonable demands in a hostage situation, it would be that all of the food provided is gluten-free. <laughs> <laughs> this man's a madman. This is Brooklyn. Everything has gluten I'm gonna, in it. I'm going to have to talk to my superiors. I don't know if we can make that happen. <laughs> no oh, that's cross-contamination not. at all. Jack's like, what is this? Fucking pizza? He just blasts a hostage. <laughs> this is a cauliflower crust. <laughs> Tried you one hostage for every slice. Get, get the fuck back. Get the fuck back. <laughs> That's about how much a gluten free pizza costs, by the way. <laughs> I love it. Oh, Jesus. Uh, my name's Mike, and my uh, unreasonable demand would be. Uh, an application that allows you to do emoticons and not just emojis. <laughs> no one's gonna fucking get that. Airing the dirty laundry of your civil war that you've made because Facebook Messenger <laughs> wouldn't let you type B parentheses. 
Yeah, it's unreasonable. <laughs> Facebook's unreasonable. Oh God, Mike! Mike's demand would be the downfall of Facebook, <laughs> <laughs> the liquidation of Facebook. God damn it! <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. My name is Shane, and my unreasonable request would be actual hard copy CDs of every now ever made. Wait, what? Like now? That's what I call music. Oh, yeah. nice. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's like now 27 or something. It might even be higher than that. And I want in in chronological order every now hard copy. <laughs> Will you settle for Kids Bop? Only, oh God. No, I'd probably kill everyone in, in the bank. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I would too if I had to listen to the Kids Bop cover of Macklemore's Thrift Shop again. <laughs> oh God. Again? <clears throat> Um, I'm June, and I would go with the classic like genie in a bottle approach and uh, ask for more hostages. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> you give them one hostage for every two they provide you. Yep. <laughs> just uh, a <laughs> just make a fucking hostage pyramid scheme. All right. <laughs> I take you hostage, and you take six hostages. Yeah. So every hostage you release has to take two more hostages themselves. That's that's actually not far off from what this movie actually happened. People were running to become a hostage in this. Yeah. We give you the tools you need to become your own kidnapper. <laughs> oh, let's let's get into this this movie, which yeah did not expect it when I started it i yeah. had only seen the attica scene i hadn't seen the rest of the movie so it was uh, i thought it was going to be more like a 75 like heat kind of film mm-hmm. yeah and uh immediately when the first guy goes i can't do this and runs out i was like well this is not what that's gonna be <laughs> yeah this movie definitely had that uh, deja vu feel for me where i think i've seen it but i couldn't put my finger on it until the attica scene yeah, we've all seen pieces of this movie. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just common pop culture and stuff. All right. Yeah. Well, do you want to take it away, Mike? Yeah. Uh, so, beginning of this film, we're at uh, Brooklyn Bank, and we start with uh, uh, Pacino and Sal sitting in a car. I'll call him Sonny, sorry. Uh, Pacino's character, his name is Sonny. And they're uh, kind of spotting out a bank, and they got this other guy with them. Um, and uh, he goes into the bank, kind of like, I don't know, he's kind of casing the joint, right? And uh, Sonny and Sal, they they go in one at a time. Uh, Sonny's carrying like a box with uh, some ribbons on it. it, looks like a flower box. And Sal walks in with a briefcase, and they're they're going into this bank uh, acting like they're uh, customers, going to like withdraw stuff. Uh, the Sal sits down with the manager and. Uh, he pulls out this gun and he tells uh, the manager, like, you know, be cool. Um, so obviously they're there to rob this bank. And uh, they look like they're pretty professional at the very beginning here. But uh, shit goes awry real quick. Sonny, he, uh, he's also waiting for the sign where they're waiting for the bank to kind of close. And the security guard's locking up the front door and they're getting ready to shut everything down. And the uh, this younger kid, he comes in. I forgot the kid's name. He wasn't in for very long. But he uh, he walks in and uh, Sonny talks to him. And this kid's like, he's having like bad feelings about this whole job. And he's saying like, you know, he's getting bad, bad vibes from it. Um, Sonny tells him to like, you know, be cool and go step by the front door and 
whatnot. They, uh, they and then when you know once the the last customers leaves the the bank lobby, uh, they all pull out their guns and uh, Sunny immediately starts you know telling the the tellers to like go stand in the corner. You know it's a classic bank rob kind of scene at the very beginning. Um, when it first starts to go bad though, and the, you know the whole the whole premise of this whole movie is that this shit does not go according to plan. As you kind of mentioned in the beginning, they're supposed to be in and out, and uh, the first uh, the first big mistake was. This young kid kind of loses his nerve, and he's as he's holding up this security guard, this old man. Um, he says he can't do it, and, and Sonny goes over and he's like, "What are you talking about?" Kid ends up being like, "I can't do this. I need to leave." So he goes out the front door. They kind of like Sonny's like he comes across as this guy that's almost almost too nice to be doing what he's doing, right? <laughs> like his personality is like he he doesn't have it as well, but he's he's definitely organized. He's definitely like committed, but he's definitely like being a humanitarian, which I I think is a bad trait for being a bank robber. Um anyways, this, <laughs> this young kid he he goes out the front door, they let him out, he unlocked the door and you know, he, and Sonny's like, "Well, you got to give me the keys." And so he gets the keys and this kid leaves. Um takes his gun and, and now you know the bank robbery has begun um so they're they're trying to move quick uh sonny's telling sal like you know hold, hold the gun on these people and they go and they try to go into the vault and uh, they open it up and it turns out that this is the day that all the money had been picked up already and all that's left in the bank was like a thousand hundred dollars um so there this is already you know this is going downhill real quick uh sonny goes through the um the front area through the, the the teller stands and and he obviously has some knowledge of some bank work like he's you know he's making good choices as far as not allowing them to set off any of the alarms um they're trying to move a little bit quickly and, and then Sonny has this idea that he needs to burn the cash register um he throws it in a garbage can lights it on fire uh grabs up as many bills as he can and at this moment the uh business owner across the street is seeing the smoke from the fire coming out through an event event and he comes over, and the the bank manager, he's this, you know, he's pretty calm, collected kind of dude. He's an older guy. Uh, the rest of the staff, they're all women, um, so it's only like really he's the only man there. And he, uh, him and Sonny, they go up there, and Sonny has him like by gunpoint, kind of talk the guy away and make it look like nothing's going on. Uh, the manager does a good job, makes the guy walk away, but apparently uh, it wasn't enough to uh, to diffuse any kind of suspicion of what's happening there. The, the phone keeps ringing, right? And the manager, like, Sonny keeps telling him, like, go answer the phone. And as they're robbing the bank and get ready to go, uh, the, the phone rings and the manager says it's for Sonny. Which, again, this is, like, already number three thing that's going wrong with this whole heist. Uh, the cops are there. They know it's a bank robbery. They're already setting up. And it becomes the stage for the film where this, this what was supposed to be an in-and-out job, has now become a hostage situation where they're held up, they didn't get loot, they didn't get money, and now uh, Sonny and Sal need to kind of figure out how they're going to get out of this alive. Uh, throughout this interactions at the very beginning, kind of the setup for this, we, we find out that Sal, his partner, he's kind of a little bit more crazy than Sonny, right? He's, he, he keeps talking to Sonny about this kind of deal they made before they went and did this job that, you know, if something went wrong, the, the, the deal was and the promise was like, we're going to, we're going to, off ourselves or you know what i mean like we're not going to jail and the south he, he kind of hints the fact that he's done some time and he's coming across a little bit more uh, unhinged than sunny is um uh sunny kind of threatens that if anything tries to, if the police try to do anything they're going to start throwing bodies out and sal has this kind of creepy moment where he's like you know are you, are you serious about that because i'm ready to do it like i'm ready to start throwing some bodies out so sal's <laughs> kind of a he's he's kind of unhinged and we, we find that out pretty yeah. early in the film 
Um, so as far as the plot goes, and the way I'm going to break this down was the beginning was kind of short, what I just went through, but the rest of the film's a little bit more drawn out. So I think like a lot's going to be talked at the beginning and a little bit slower throughout it. So I think this is a good spot to kind of discuss a little bit. So before we get too into the meat of it, I want to say I love the intro to this. It yeah. was the most exciting of it, yeah. And I did trust Sal as soon as I saw him. I was like, anyone with that kind of hairline, I don't, I don't trust as far as I could throw him. Oh but yeah, that, that was terrifying. <laughs> it was very uh, No Country for Old Men vibes, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um. So I I kind of really liked the, and I know it's a true story, and which is going to be some of my gripes later is that they didn't movie it up enough. Um. I like that you're just like, wow, these are amateurs. Like, you could just tell from literally within five minutes, you're like, oh, God, they they don't know what they're doing. Like, Al Pacino's character, Sonny, demonstrates that he understands the inner workings of a bank pretty well, mm-hmm. but he doesn't understand the inner workings of robbing a bank very well. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah the, the, it's very, very clear that they are in way over their heads. Like and and you as the yeah. viewer are kind of always looking because like he constantly takes his gun off of people like they're always looking away from hostages and I kept waiting for that hostage like trying to take the gun moment to happen and it never happens and we can talk about the hostage relationship with their captors uh, later. Oh but, yeah, they they softball them like oh yeah and this bank manager. He's he must have been robbed a few times. He was just like, God <laughs> damn it, not again. <laughs> That's part yeah. of what I really enjoyed about this is it's it was very unorthodox for a, a bank heist movie. Like uh, same as you, uh, you know, I was expecting heat, mm-hmm. um, or some kind of really suspenseful like throughout thriller kind of movie. Mm-hmm. But it was a straight up comedy at some points, and yeah, I, I, th- I thought yeah. it was executed very well. Uh, and just like you were saying, the relationship between the captor and the and the robbers, like it's the yeah, all the all the hostages are just like helping them out at certain points. Yeah. It's almost like they're like, Hey, you're not aiming the gun at me right now. I could get away. Like, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean there there are scenes early on where like one of the things that sets them back so they don't leave in time is time is before they put the hostages in the vault, someone's like, Oh, I gotta go to the bathroom and there he's like sure right like i I literally yelled at the tv i was like i don't give a fuck like what are you doing not only did he agree he also was like does anyone else need to use the bathroom (laughs) like a third grade teacher yeah i mean yeah this entire movie is like an extended like dog catches the car right like (laughs) they they've got it and now they have to figure out what they're going to do with it and well really this is a more of Sonny has to figure out because I really thought that Sal was going to do something crazy and that was going to be like the trigger point for like shit to hit the fan. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. It it didn't. (laughs) You know, it's, it's funny where like, I, I almost felt like Sal was the weak link throughout. Like his resolve was weaker than, um, Sonny's is, is how I felt. He was ready to just kill everyone and himself and just call it today. Yeah. Or just like, (laughs) Yeah, I, I don't know. Like, he felt like he was ready to just, like... You know, it, it felt like um, Sonny wouldn't send him out to negotiators because he might... Who who knows what he might agree to? He might just say, like, okay, I'll walk, you know? Like, I don't know. Yeah. Um, I was... Throughout... From, like, the beginning to the end, 
in every scene, it was set up with that suspense of like somehow Sal is gonna fuck this up. Yeah, yeah. I got that it, sense too. Yeah, yeah, up until the very end, right? And then uh, it didn't quite happen, but it was it was great because he was just kind of like extremely loyal mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. uh Sonny. Uh, like he did everything that was asked of him, and like I think one of the the lines, uh, I don't think you probably haven't gotten there yet, but the Wyoming line. Yeah, that's near the yeah. end. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. What country do you want to go to? Wyoming. <laughs> well, they make it very apparent early on that Sal is he's more of the trigger man, right? He's there for he doesn't do much, doesn't do the talking. He's just there as the muscle. I think Sonny, when he's running around and he's kind of yelling at the uh, the tellers during the first uh, initial heist kind of scene, he's he's telling them like I I bark, he bites. Let's you know what I mean? Like yeah. they're almost using Sal as as he's he's a little bit uh, and yeah. the other one runs. Yeah, <laughs> and, I, and I love that it's set up that way with the dynamic of that he's the he's the muscle of this this whole uh-huh. scheme, but at the same point, it's almost like he doesn't really want to be there. Slash, like you know what I mean. It's very apparent that Sonny is, is the is the is the the criminal mastermind. I, I'm not saying he is, but he's in the position of what would be Relatively considered the criminal speaking, mastermind, yes, right? Yeah. And Sal is the 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 muscle. Does Sal say that he wants to kill people? Yes. He does, yeah. Multiple okay. times. Because yeah, okay. he, he does that whole, like, were you were you serious about, you know, dropping bodies? He's like, because I am. Yeah. Well, I, I don't think it was like, a, like I'm here because I want to kill somebody. I think it's like, yeah. I don't really want to, but if it comes to that, like, I absolutely will kind of thing. I agree. Because <laughs> I, I don't know if I, I blinked for a minute and missed that, but I felt like... And I guess you know, I'm probably just totally wrong, but I felt like uh, there were times where it felt like um, Sonny was like keeping Sal away because he was the weak link. Like he didn't want he he was like bluffing and playing up, you know, Sal's willingness to to kill people. But maybe maybe I just totally misinterpreted it. No, I yeah. think I think you're pretty close on on the on the on the point there because a little bit later they're talking. Once he starts, we'll jump a little bit into the story or the plot, but. In the plot, he ends up having discussions with people on the phone, like relatives and family and friends. And whenever he brings up Sal, everybody kind of says kind of the same thing. Like, you brought him along? Like, oh, Jesus. Like, he's going to be the one kind of like, it makes at least it sound like that. But the Stockholm Syndrome in this whole situation is real quick. It's quick, quick acting Stockholm in this whole entire bang. I wanted to say it's Stockholm. But then like, so I got down this rabbit hole of I was like, man, it's so weird to see a police department that doesn't especially like a New York police department or just modern times, it doesn't have specialized hostage rescue teams. Like where it's just, Hey, there's a hostage situation. Let's see if the beat cops can do it. You know? So yeah, like, and then you remember all, it was the 1970s and yeah, that shit so didn't exist. They're all out of their element. And then you go, well, I guess the hostages are safer with their captors than they are if the police tried to rescue them because they bring up Attica later. And I was like, you know what? They're better. They're safer just letting this play out. So which, what Shane's talking about is um, this was soon after the uh, Attica riots at the prison, right? Where the story of, of the, you know, what actually it's not a story. It's, it's historical. What happened was during the Attica riots was uh, the inmates revolted. They took over the prison and the police came in and started um, shooting not only the prisoners, but guards were killed, uh, civilians got killed, like all the uh, a lot of the people 
people they're holding hostage got killed. So a big point of what Sony's Sony is trying to uh, kind of impress upon not only the his captors but also um, Sal and and the police outside is that unless they keep their women hostages, the police are just going to come in and shoot everybody to death. Um, so through the plot a little bit pushing forward. Um, this kind of interaction where the police have now set up, they're holding down the bank from the outside, they have a perimeter, and they're now communicating with Sonny, and uh, Sonny's trying to figure out how to get out of this situation. So he's talking with the manager, kind of explains a little bit about this, and brings up the fact that this prison riot happened, and the police are kind of blood-hungry, and, you know, he pushes some shit to block the back door, kind of sets up his own little situation, and starts kind of uh, having a back-and-forth communication with the police, uh, with one of their police sergeants. And... Through their interactions, Sonny, uh, to show some faith, and the police to show some faith, you know, as, as, as you would expect from a hostage situation. They go outside, Sonny goes outside, and he meets with them and talks with this sergeant, and uh, almost starts to win over the crowd, right? So, like, all these people, they they have a police line set up, but it's, you know, all these, they're coming to watch this this situation unfold, and there's a bunch of uh, civilians who are now um, crowded up on the streets, and... When Sonny first comes out, all these people, all these police officers, they start uh, putting their guns on him. They, they come running up. Uh, the security guard that he was holding hostage inside has an asthma attack. And as a sign of faith, Sonny releases one of the hostages and they choose him, the, the security guard who's having this asthma attack because he's, he's essentially almost like fucking passing out and dying in there. So he brings him out and the cops rush up and they, they tackle this, <laughs> this old man and they throw him up against the car. He's a black man. So it's like this, you know, it's just showing that the cops are idiots. Yeah, out of their yeah. mind with just like we this got is, him. Yeah, it's, and that's a big point of this movie is that like this the reaction from the police is just unreasonable for such a situation. Um, the more things change, the more things stay the same. Dude, I was just thinking that I was like, if only we had some recent things to point to police right. incompetence. <laughs> yeah. So, so then the Attica scene happens, right? So Sunny comes out after they they take the first um, released hostage away, and and. Uh, even then, like even like some of the like he brings out the one of the women who's um, I forget her name, but she's one of the bank tellers, and she's mm-hmm. even her she's like kind of yelling at the cops to stop. Everybody's yelling at the cops to stop the aggression, and the sergeant's yelling at everybody, and uh, Sonny starts yelling about Attica, and and that really gets the crowd kind of hyped up, and then we start to see a little bit of a switch in the dynamic of the film where it almost becomes Sonny starts to become the celebrity in like the the media's eyes, and 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 just in general from making the police look like the bad guys and you know the disdain against the police at the time um you know crowd gets into it crowd starts chanting with them and uh the sergeant starts to kind of have this negotiation back and forth with with sunny at this point yeah did we cover in this part where he talks to the press he so right after that he does so the oh, okay. so really the, the the police are doing a horrible job throughout this film of keeping any be- behind any kind of police <laughs> line like i'm surprised like people aren't just getting murked throughout the entire film um but yeah, so the press show up and, and you know they're filming and people can just call into this bank randomly. Like the police try to set up a, like just like a, a line with it. And I guess for you know in the 1970s they aren't able to have the technology that we see nowadays for this type of situation. So it's a little bit chaotic. Uh, Sonny's able to talk to not only the press but he's able to like talk to the police at certain times. And then there's even like a psychopathic dude he keeps calling in and telling <laughs> them to like murder people and shit. Like very strange. Sonny's still trying to keep this kind of I don't know cool collected kind of head going on and uh before we jump into this the third or should I say the second part of the film the middle part um the negotiations aren't going well and and but really Sonny's trying to set this whole stuff up and people are starting to choose sides already 
What I so like what about I w- the yeah. oh, okay. <laughs> no, you go ahead, June. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I vote for June. Okay, get the fuck back. Get the fuck back. Let him talk. Let him talk. <laughs> Attica, what I like. Attica. What I like. Oh my god. I want to cut all of you. <laughs> uh, what I like about how this movie was executed was, and in typical things like this, even when the protagonist is technically the bad guy as far as like societal norms are, are done um you really don't pick sides because on the same vein like yes you end up rooting for Sonny, but you also kind of rooting for moretti because mm-hmm. he's the level-headed police sergeant that like understands what happened at attica understands the the lens that they're being seen through and he's constantly trying to control the police and everything. So uh, like you're kind of rooting for both. You know what I mean? Well, it's interesting yeah. that you said that you said that Sonny is the protagonist. I mean, it's almost that uh, two on your point. There was no right side on this whole situation, right? Like the film is the main character is Sonny. Uh, we're watching a movie about him. Are we supposed to hate him? I mean, if this is a real, this is a real event that happened. It's hard to look at it and, and, see that perspective right like we end up finding out throughout the film that he had a reason but is it a good reason it's it's just, you know what i mean there's yeah yeah and i think it's executed in such a way to where like if sunny had broken into the bank and immediately shot three people we'd have a very hard time treating yes. him as a protagonist but the fact yeah. that he was kind of didn't know what he was doing mm-hmm. and it was kind of adorable right like the hostages are helping him out you know mm-hmm. yeah so i feel like there's another element too which is like there's there's this other side too of like, will he succeed? And like, are we rooting for him in spite of the fact? And so, okay. So the other thing I think of, right, is, you know, like the, there's like the genre of movies that's like the kill Hitler genre, right? Like the movies about like, you know how this ends, right? Like, you know, all of these people don't succeed, right? Like, you know, the boat sinks at the end of the Titanic, right? You, you, you know how this ends. And in 1975, the outcome would have been, you know, set in stone for anyone who watched this they know exactly how this ends um except for um with the exception of inglorious bastards um but <laughs> you, know, you know there's like this dynamic of like okay do we want him to succeed in this like are we even though he's sympathetic are we rooting for like for him to fail you know um because there's like different i don't know I, I i found that really interesting and a lot of it does come down to I think Al Pacino's performance. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like he really does this like he he has this like threads this like very delicate line, you know, of who his character is. It's someone who's slightly unhinged, but not crazy, you know. Yeah, and he's it's... not a good person cuz like they talk to his family, he hits people, he threatens people, you know. He's yeah. not a good guy. You know, and he's here robbing a bank, but then he's mostly, mostly treats people okay, right? And he has sort of like this, like, every man blue collar vibe, right? Like, and then, you know, he sort of handles this, like, you could almost transpose a lot of his character onto, like, a restaurant manager that's just having, like, the worst day ever, right? Like, they're fucking sink breaks, right? And half of their waiters call it, and this guy's frazzled and trying to scramble to get things together, except... You know, he's not a businessman. He's robbing a bank and just in over his head. <laughs> well, it's it's kind of interesting because it's Mulvetti, right? The detective. He's the head. Mm-hmm. Um, Moretti. Moretti. Yeah. So him and Sonny are almost the same people in this. 
they're both in a situation they really, really don't want to be in. And they're surrounded by people that want to escalate it and make this thing go really unhinged. And they're like, so Sonny's trying to keep Sal from, you know, murdering everyone inside and he just wants to get out. And Mulvetti is trying to, Moretti is trying to keep all these bloodthirsty cops from barging in or pushing this over the edge into a bloodbath. So they're Mm -hmm. both like negotiating with each other and yet holding back their own sides. So they're like mirrors of each other from each side. And it's, it makes for a good, because you're, yeah, you don't know who you're rooting for. You're kind of rooting for you're kind of just rooting for a peaceful finish of it all, you know? Yeah, and and to to build on your what you're talking about there, the the tense uh feeling that I got from it was a Sal, he was in, intense of what is he going to do, you know? And the other side B, the police kept trying to do shit without communicating with each other, right? At one point they tried to swing in the back window and you know, <laughs> Sonny ends up shooting a shot through the window and and then uh, Moretti's out front yelling like what the why'd you shoot that shot? And, and then Moretti's like I I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm not telling those guys to do anything. Like this whole weird like cop dynamic is also in its own right uh, an intense kind of um, thriller of this film. I laughed so hard at that scene because literally when it does the cut outside and there's cops hanging from the walls and there's cops like, oh shit! And they're like <laughs> falling off the fridge and everything. Like It looked like a Muppet scene. Like Kermit's just like, oh, get out of here, guys! <laughs> like, like Reno 911. Like, I mean, there was literally a guy hanging from a rope. <laughs> it's like, like oh, a window. Jesus. It's like a window cleaning bench, right? <laughs> like, what was he even on? How is he gonna tactically repel like, through a like a barred window? Like, what was like, he doing? It looked like the Muppets climbing the wall and trying to get into this building, and then they got caught, and they're all like, "Scram!" But it showed this. It showed this chaotic like version of what the police at the time, maybe not now, but at the time, were like you know, like this uh, cowboys. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. that's what the, the feeling was. Yeah. And just the the crowd's disdain for the police throughout the film, right? Like, these people are there watching the entire time, and they're actively rooting against the police and for Sonny. It's almost because of the crowd. Well, I wouldn't even say almost. Really, it's because of the crowd is the only reason that this didn't go haywire. Because the crowd's not there. The police probably just machine gun everyone inside and call it a day. Right, yeah, Sonny, Sonny said that. It's like, if we wouldn't have women here and we didn't have the news crew here, we'd all be dead already. Yeah. I like what you said that Moretti and uh, and Sonny are the, basically the same person because they're both, they're both in over their heads, yeah. right? Like, Sonny has yeah. no idea what the, how, the, how to rob a bank and Moretti is constantly like, we have like this communication issue across like the 50 million cops that showed up. So many so cops. He, yeah, so he can't, like, control what's going on with the officers, you know. Like, yeah. I don't know what Brooklyn was like back in the 70s, but why the fuck were there so many cops there? You gotta surround it. It's like uh, Blues Brothers when they get the chase in the end. <laughs> Dunkin' Donuts was closed that morning. Yeah, um, um, yeah no, I, I feel like it's this, this interesting dynamic where they're both sort of, like, barely putting up this, like, like very thin veneer of calmness right and it it's not working and neither like both of them are like openly not in control of the situation uh so yeah it is like a really interesting mirror dynamic so i'm putting that on the short list of insightful things shane has said over the last 50 episodes um (laughs) put one on the board boys (laughs) great hostage negotiations though 
yeah. and then I think it's interesting, right? Because like the the audience was also it was almost like a character in and of itself, right? Like there's there's the element of you know, yeah, the, the audience and the news crews, you know, probably kept them alive, right? Probably kept the cops from storming the building. But also, like, riling them up is adding, like, a totally different dynamic because, you know, cops and police departments are, are famously tolerant of criticism and, you know, controversy, right? Like, this is, <laughs> it, it's like, this is, this entire movie is, like, a continually, like, doubling down, like, going double or nothing on bad positions from Sonny, right? Like they're always trading like something for more time, but making it even worse in the long run. Yeah. Well, this being a movie based on a real life, you know, historical story that actually happened in the 1970s. Um, I felt a little bit uh, like it was real. Like it was, it had that kind of, that's how actually people would actually interact with each other, right? Like the hostage is going to rely on the, on the hostage taker and the hostage taker is going to rely on, uh, the negotiations of trust with the hostage negotiator. And it showed a really cool, um, realistic kind of dynamic and, and uh, relationship between all three of them throughout it. Being a uh, amateur studier of hostage rescue in the past, how many hostage situations ended at the airport from like Is this the big one though? So, to like 1980, maybe even like in, into the this... mid 80s? Like they always end at the airport. <laughs> so. Is this the big one though? Because this is this is obviously one of those big stories, right? They made a movie about it. I this would is say the one that the was this Munich. the one that set that was this the one that set with well, the Munich one too, right? So those those yeah. are like the two big ones that we talk about. Did they set that kind of ground rule for all uh, fake, or I should say, uh, you know, made up stories for for like hostage situations? Because yes, well, you're right. They always show up at the fucking airport. I'll give you two two words that debunks that North Hollywood. <laughs> oh, that did not end up at the airport. But I don't look at that one as a hostage situation. That was a was war. 3,000 3, <laughs> rounds shot. <laughs> yeah. I mean, th- this is also like that narrow window where you can get to the other side of the world and disappear in an airplane. But before, you know, like the, the mobility and the being able to get away is there. But before everything was tracked and you know records are kept and stuff giant flaw in today's plan right if you if their whole plan is to go to what is it like algeria or something like that like when you land at an algerian airport you're gonna have to go through customs today like you can't just show up with a bunch of fucking people you know the algerian government's not gonna give a fuck what you did in america well i mean that's just another symptom of a plan that was never going to succeed right like they're they're, again you know they're like going double or nothing on a, a bad position you know like they're they're saying, well, we'll deal with this in Algeria. And just to get to Algeria it makes everything worse already. <laughs> well, yeah. he, he only wants to go to Algeria because one of the hostages just mentioned it on a word. <laughs> I know. I was like, is he like thinking that Algerian government's going to look at him like one of those random like political organizations that were funded <laughs> that pulled this stuff? Like, they're going to be like, who the fuck is Sonny? We're not. Just- <laughs> no, he can't land here. <laughs> Sir, you brought in one thousand one hundred dollars. Like we can't let you through. <laughs> like, and yeah. that's the funny thing is, like you just look at it, and it, maybe this is a modern lens. Like I just wonder what it'd be like to be in a time where it was like, yeah, you could be John Dillinger and be almost impossible to catch for so long in the United States. But like you're like, oh, John you're Dillinger gonna... was in the nineteen twenties, though. Whatever. You know what I but mean? I'm just saying, like, 
in a time where police work was a lot harder, they couldn't just like type it into the computer and find you. And you're there's multiple right. ways to find you. Like you're like, wait, 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 wait. So your escape plan is you're gonna get on a plane that can be followed by another plane. By actual like, like they're gonna by, know by actual, you, like, like military jets. Yeah, I was like, there's just no way you get out of this. Like, and obviously he has to try because the other option is, you know, yeah, not to. Crazy. But at the same time, you're like, man, like maybe just call it quits because th- this is not gonna work. But that's that's like the entire point, right? Like, so you can make this as a criticism of like Sonny and his plan, but not as like a criticism of the movie, if that makes sense, right? Like. He would have 100% no, no. been better off if he just put his gun down and walked out as soon as the cops were out there, right? Right, right. But no, and you're right. That's that's the whole. I mean, he's Sonny's character. He's grasping at straws, right? Like like we said, like Jack, you you hit it on the head. He's showing himself as this calm, collected with the plan, but his plan's not going to work. It's never going to work. We all know from the beginning it's not going to work. Oh, as soon as the guy yeah. runs out of the building, I was like, well, this went to shit. <laughs> And the guy, there are a couple comedic moments that I'll bring up. Like the guy comes back in and like, what are you doing? He's like, oh, there's someone under the desk. So I just wanted to let you know. And he runs away. <laughs> and then the other one that other than the Muppet scene of the where the Muppets try to break into the bank um, is where the lady gets a phone call from her husband. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and you think it's going to be like this. Are you OK? And he, it's. What the fuck am I going to eat? She's like, I don't know. Just warm up something from the leftovers. I, I'm not going to be home. He, He's asking when this is going to be done. This was the silliest <laughs> bank heist that I've ever like, seen. He, she literally is like, the husband's like, well, when, when is this going to be over? I'm starving. <laughs> oh, and then, and then the guy shows up later and beats the shit. So he runs past the police line, the civilian, the, one of the husbands of like, yeah. one of the hostages, runs up to Sonny when he's out talking to the sergeant and punches him in the face, like beats him up on the ground. And then Sonny, like, stands up. He's like, oh, that guy made me bleed. And, like, the sergeant's like, are you okay? Like, such a strange interaction between, like... <laughs> I That was one of two moments that I thought, oh, no, here's where, you know, the shooting starts. Because, like, I thought that that was a detective at first. And I was like, oh, fuck. Sal's going to start blasting. But, like, it it just kind of blows over. Like, it, <laughs> he's it, like, it, ow! It, 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 it decoupled the tension of the whole thing and made it seem just such out of, like it wasn't out of place. It actually felt actually more in place that everybody's trying to act hard in the situation. The cops and the hostage taker, like Sonny and all that. But at the end of the fucking day, they're just people who don't know what the hell they're doing. Yeah. The other moment that I, uh, I thought it was going to get crazy was, um, when Sal was talking about your body being a temple and you shouldn't smoke. Yeah. I was like, Oh, this is, this is where something bad happens. And then doesn't. Yeah, Sal was Sal was scary throughout it, but never actually ended up becoming scary. Which I don't know but if that I like. Hostage never took shit from anyone. She was like, eh, dude, whatever. She fuck was you. wild. Like, as a if I was another hostage, I'd look at her and be like, "Would you shut the fuck up? Like, <laughs> you're gonna get us killed, lady. <laughs> like, if she's like, I have to use the bathroom. I wanted to be like, no one gives a fuck. Like, like he's robbing a bank. <laughs> Well, so we can jump into a little bit about that if you want. Like, so this is the part of the movie where we kind of find out about Sonny. We can go into that. Yeah, there's a few things it. we need to, like the hostages. Sonny's not, and... He's not a bank robber, right? Like, no. Sonny is. He's a Vietnam. He's almost vet? a. Well, he's a man at the end of a leash, right? He he's he's fed up. He can't do it anymore. And it's because of his personal. And the really interesting part about this film uh, is the fact that 
Sonny has these alternative or ulterior motives for why he's doing this. And so we find out at this point that um, we start to have uh, the negotiators bring in people to kind of talk Sonny down. Um, Sonny requests that his wife uh, is brought over and he gives this address to to his wife. Uh, the, pl- the police go and they, they find um, this this person named Leon who comes down and, and they're from a hospital where they've been kind of doped up. Turns out Leon uh, is Sonny's uh, wife. Um, as well as his actual uh, partner and wife, which is a, a woman with a couple of kids. But Sonny has this other relationship with Leon, who is going through a gender reassignment. And it turns out Sonny's big motive for doing this bank robbery is to get the funds to um, have this reassignment surgery for his wife, Leon. Uh, he also has this relationship with his with another wife, his his first wife, who has the kids and, and has that relationship going on as well. Angie. Yeah, Angie, and, and with the two kids there. So this is kind of Sonny's whole point for doing this. But but we find out from their conversations with the police um, that, that Sonny's been kind of losing his mind in the past couple of months. Um, after the, the, the marriage, he's been threatening people. He's been not acting the way he, as far as they described, um, the same that he used to be. Uh, so something's going on with Sonny to kind of make him a little bit uh, deranged as well. But he's doing it because of these reasons uh, that the police are now and the FBI show up and, and you know, all these people are trying to talk Sonny out of the situation. Uh, the, the FBI kind of start moving in after Leon shows up and has this phone conversation with Sonny, kind of uh, telling him. There, you know, the reason why all of this is happening, and and they even bring in his like Sonny's mom at one point, and she tries to like make him come out. Uh, they set they shut off the lights in the bank, and you know, they're as they're providing him food, and they're this back and forth interaction with the police and the FBI. Um, I, I forget the FBI agent's name. I think it's Sheldon convinces uh, Sonny to start kind of allowing the FBI to come into this. Um, anyways, Sheldon shows up. He's this FBI agent. Uh, he's been the one kind of starting to take over the scene now. The the other sergeant, he's been moved out after the debacle of having like shots fired and he's no longer in command of this whole situation. Uh, very diehard type of stuff, but <laughs> in a good way. So Sheldon goes in, meets with Sonny. Um, he wants to see that these uh, that the hostages are okay. Uh, Sonny agrees and they bring him in uh, with, you know, wrapping up the whole crowd and, you know, that whole thing is still happening. Uh Anyway, Sheldon sees that the hostages are okay. Uh, the bank manager, he he's starting to get kind of sick. He's, he's diabetic. In the interaction, after seeing that the, the other hostages are okay, Sheldon walks Sonny out to the front door, and he starts to tell Sonny, like, hey, secretively... Let's we're gonna deal with Sal and Sonny yells at him. I'm not gonna sell Sal out, but you, there's a weird. Uh, well, it's not weird. It's it's almost like a code that Sonny and uh, this uh, Sheldon FBI agent have, where you, you start to see that Sonny realizes he's in a corner and he's still pushing for the for the idea of getting this helicopter or a bus or something to take him to an airport and get a jet and they want to fly away, but Sonny's kind of doubting it in 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 a subtle way. You you see this doubt happening with Sonny. And they start kind of almost without saying words, plotting against Sal, because Sal is he's he's gonna die there or or you know you know bust right. That's his whole dynamic in this duo relationship. Um, but throughout the middle of this film, it really has to come down to uh, the FBI using 
people in in Sonny's life to try to kind of talk Sonny down. Interestingly, though, throughout the film, nobody ever brings anybody from Sal's life. And I think there's a conversation between Sonny and Sal where Sonny says, is there somebody you want to talk to before we go? And Sal says, no, he doesn't have anybody. Um, So really, the FBI and the police start concentrating on kind of hitting on Sonny's heartstrings to try to bring him back from from what what's going on here. And that sets up for the end of the film, which is uh, we'll talk about that next. If if I was the FBI, I would have kept Sonny off the phone with his first wife because I was like, oh, my God, that lady's going to make him kill somebody because like, she's just like, why don't you love me? And he's like, God damn it. Would you just listen to me? Oh, she was so obnoxious. Yeah. Well, yeah, there's, I, what there's I would a, say is a tense feel in the middle of this. I, I did appreciate like this, like these pieces being put together to like illustrate that Sonny was a man for whom like things just didn't add up, right? Like his worldview was just like skewed. Um, you know, he clearly was like disdainful of his family, you know, you know Angie and his kids, right? I got the impression that um, Leon, his, his, I guess, other wife, um, like was interested in like a you know a, a gender confirmation surgery but that like Sonny was the one who was like really decisive and like pushed it and like decided it was worth robbing a bank over you know I, I don't know if you all got the same impression but it felt like he was like the decisive in crazy ways and like reading situations in crazy ways and like going way too far about stuff all the time. Yeah, because Leon didn't want anything to do with him. Leon kept talking about how he was trying to get away from Sonny for six months, but now Sonny has brought no. him out of the hospital, <laughs> brought him into the situation, and made him call him on the phone. You draw me right yeah. back in. Yeah, I, I don't want to spend like a ton of time on it, but what I will say is, this movie, I think, so in, in its time, it was, I think, well-regarded for its representation of like the gay community in New York, right? But there were other times where I'm like, wow, this would definitely not not really stand today, right? Where, uh, I, I mean... The, the 1970s was, was kind of about that movement, right? It had a lot of mm-hmm. support. I mean, even yeah. even in the film, uh, the gay community shows up with, like, you know, rooting on Sonny, Sonny and, you know, giving him support from that side as well. well yeah. That and, goes to, like... You know, it's, it's one of those things where, for example, you know, Leon identifies as a woman but everyone still refers to leon as him i mean right that that's just i guess the time and well it's a caveat of the time yeah and i i will say that i think it is interesting and like uh, a credit to the movie that i think uh the fact that sunny is gay is not like it, it i think it's handled well overall and like played without you know making a a scene of it by Al Pacino, which I, no, I think is a credit to no it. No one makes a scene of it except the media. And they're almost like, crin- well, they're not almost cringe. Like, first they're like, two homosexuals have taken over a bank in Brooklyn. And you're like, Jesus Christ. Like, Oh, yeah. And, and Sal is constantly saying, tell the people I'm not a homosexual. Yeah, I'm like, right? this guy is definitely. But that, definitely, that's what they're reporting. Yeah. Like, that was the issue. 
<laughs> like, well, to the to the to the credit of the film, that is an important uh, part of the story. That is an important commentary. fact that happened, right? That that needs to be involved because it is important for mm-hmm. this historical movie that was made. However, it does not take away from the film in the way that I would assume a 1970s movie would have done that. And they did a good job of making it just a plot story kind of situation rather than something that was concentrated on and you know like a, a major factor. Like, yeah, it just was so, what it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's what I was. Uh, that's almost exactly what I was going to say. Like it's, it uses it to drive the story without it being an agenda. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. You can tell this. You can tell that that was a vehicle to progress the plot in the film, and not the film was made to progress the the issues. You know, of the time. Right. I agree. Yeah. And that was it. Was it was really good. I liked it. It also creates. I, yeah. Go ahead. I was just gonna say again an example. I think of Al Pacino like walking like a like a very like very difficult character who is just like extremely complicated and complex and like fitting all of these things into his performance without letting one of them dominate the performance, you know, like someone who's crazy, but not like, you know, Jared Leto Joker, you know, like (laughs) shitty, you know, like, okay, whatever. We've seen this Hollywood crazy before someone who's high strung, someone who's like trying to in over the head and trying to keep up someone who, yeah, you know, like, it's just another example of that from Al Pacino, I think. Yeah, Sonny's Sonny's the whole the, his his whole driving factor, and I wouldn't say it's it, it crazy is the 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 break of his stress and the reason why he's doing these things is he can't handle the position of of where he is in society, and that's it. It has nothing more to do with that. It's the fact that he needs money, and he's going to do whatever he can to do it. And it's just his, his, he's just not happy in his life. At least that's the sense that I got from it. Yeah. I mean, there's like an intersection of who he is and his family. You know, he's gay in 1972. He is blue collar and can't afford anything. You get like all of these different layers of like what makes Sonny like the jumble of pieces he is, you know, but yeah, it's it's a I feel like it's a very careful construction from Al Pacino. Yeah. They do they do add a lot of different motivations too to to keep it overall uh not ambiguous but everything just is a is a little piece of the puzzle. Um so John uh John Vojtovich the the person who Sonny's character is based after, he he did say that the uh sex reassignment surgery was a one of the motivations. But there are some other things uh, from the movie side. He does mention, like, I think during the, um, when the TV anchor guy calls him. <laughs> oh, yeah. um, it's just like, well, you know, why are you robbing a bank? It's like, I'm robbing a bank because they got money here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, why are you, uh, why do you have to feel like you have to steal? Like, can't you get a job? And he's like, what? And you can't get a job without a union card. It's like, what about non-union occupations? And Sonny's right. like, and, and and be what a bank teller? Like, you know how much a bank teller makes, and all the hostages are like, mm-hmm. <laughs> tell him, tell him, Sonny. <laughs> well, it even furthers it builds on top of that when he writes his will. So after this, the the breakdown yeah. of bringing he 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 dives into his will, and throughout it, you know, as he's having one of the um, 
uh, one of the bank tellers write out his will. He talks about uh, he wants to send $2,700 to uh, Leon for the uh, surgery. He wants to send 5000 to his wife and kids. And you know what I mean? Like he breaks down this. this. So, yeah, you're, it, it really kind of hits a little bit more onto what he's he's got multiple stuff happening in his life. It's not just one thing. Does your life insurance pay out if you're killed by the FBI during a bank robbery? <laughs> That's a good question. <laughs> That's a question for your lawyer, Shane. Um, I feel like it's interesting because it helps paint like this more complete picture where it's it's like all of these things are reasons and also none of them are, right? We're like, we have all these reasons, but nothing really explains it. And I, I think that makes it better. Well, they yeah. have multiple instances of like a double cutting sort like it cuts both ways like one that kept coming up to me was the news and how like the news at first you're like oh thank god it's the news like they're they're gonna keep the police at bay everyone's gonna behave and then the anchor gets on there and basically goads him to just start murking people you know like and then like <laughs> hangs up on him for naughty language so like the news <laughs> literally is at first, you're like, oh, they're going to de-escalate, but then they start to escalate the situation on purpose almost. So, like, yeah. everybody has dual motivation and, like, oh, it's is TMZ deeper. TMZ situation, right? They just want the story and it's entertaining. <laughs> you even see that in the crowd. The crowd are, like, bringing popcorn and shit to watch this whole thing go down. Dude, could you imagine that happening today? Like, there's a high-profile bank robbery and, like, the whole town shows up to watch? <laughs> Oh, in the same block. There wasn't like a three block yeah. radius. This must have been like the event that happened in American history where the police realized we should probably push the uh, crowd, uh, at least the police line, at least a couple <laughs> blocks away. So that random guys don't come and beat the shit out of <laughs> the big robber. Right? Yeah, uh, just all these degenerates are out there just like rooting it on, like yeah, right. egging him on. You too. can do it. Shoot him. <laughs> There's a part oh, where... Yeah. Um, where, where, what's his name? The the sergeant, he has his blowhorn, and every single time he calls Sonny, the crowd's, like, chanting behind him, oh, like, yeah. mocking him. <laughs> I mean, this comes a bit later, but when they hop in the cars and drive on the road, and then other cars are just pulling up beside them, I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah. People well, throwing beer cans at it. And yeah. they have, like, the pizza guy that's like, I'm famous, I delivered pizza to the guy. Like, I was like, oh, God, it's funny how times change, but they really don't. Yeah, the police allowing civilians to walk up to armed robbers. That happened, I think, a couple of times I in this film. I was so and I waiting it. for him to take that pizza guy hostage. Like, and I got another one. Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> that pizza scene is, was good, too. They, uh, It's another one of those driving moments that tends the uh, that makes the viewer tend to identify or, like, uh, have sympathy for Sonny. Because, like, mm. he pays for the pizza. And he makes it a point to yeah. pay for the pizza. <laughs> And he, paid, yeah. he like tips like a hundred dollars or something crazy like yeah. that. Like now, granted, it was with stolen money, but yeah, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. who's counting? <laughs> Robin, well, Robin it, Hood. <laughs> also, like at the very beginning, during the, like the first scene where he's going through the tellers, and he's like, "No, we can't take these bills because these ones are are marked fives or whatever. Like they're going to be tracked." He used those mark fives to pay for all that shit, and then he throws it out to the crowd. So all that's going to be like FBI tracked, you know, money. <laughs> Dude, I also can we just point to the FBI always being the aviator wearing bastards that show up like this is my scene now. I was like, God, could once we have an FBI agent just show up and be like, you know, over his head, just like, oh, oh yeah. God, man, I I took I took this assignment because I assumed nothing would happen here. 
<laughs> yeah. If make you wish the postal inspectors came. If anyone in this movie was an antagonist, it was the fucking FBI agent. And yeah. but only to a point because when we get to the end, you go like, "Well, that was pretty good. They did a damn good job." <laughs> yeah. So we've we've gone a little bit into it. You want to just finish it out real quick? Yeah. Yeah. All right. So after uh, the FBI started bringing people in and trying to talk Sonny out of the uh, the bank, there um, they they bring in the uh, they bring in his request. They bring in a a van for them to uh, get transported to the airport to get their jet down to uh, Algeria. Um, but like I kind of mentioned earlier, Sheldon almost had this non-spoken agreement with Sonny that they both know that Salvador or Sal is the, uh, he's going to be the big problem here. Sonny still is trying to get this to happen. And you can tell that he's not entirely selling Sal out. He's just, anyways, they, the, the, this van shows up, uh, the driver shows up with it and Sonny goes out and inspects the, the, the van with the driver and looks through it all and looks like it's good. Checks for booby traps or whatever. And, uh, Sonny says, no, like the FBI is like, we're going to have this agent, um, I don't know, Bishop from Aliens. He's gonna drive the. <laughs> I don't know his name in the in the movie. He's gonna drive the uh, the van, and and Sonny's like, no, I want this driver that showed up. But then you see this again unspoken kind of nod from Sheldon. So Sonny agrees to allow uh, the FBI agent to be the driver. Well, was it didn't so he shows spot that- like Sonny's like, wait a minute, like doesn't he like catch it? It was some sort of weird like. It no. was like a a weird double psych out. Yeah, yeah. It was the is the nod that Sheldon. It wasn't a psych out. I, at least I maybe you guys can disagree, but I got the feel that uh, Sonny knew that there was something that was going to happen. Yeah, he spotted Sonny, something that like he he he, he agreed to have this cop, and he says like I'm not an idiot. But the the nod right before he said that made me feel like that Sonny he's on board with with Sal being the the perp, the problem person here. Well, so he. Uh... For the driver, the the original driver of the van shows up, and Sonny kind of sizes him up, and uh, through that process is like, no, this guy's going to drive for me, not your FBI agent. And when he gets in the car, he does see that nod from, uh, from Sheldon. Sheldon. Oh, okay. And he's like, ah, nope, nope, nice try. Like this this driver's one of you guys. Like I'll take the I'll take the guy who is probably not a real FBI agent. You're trying to double cross me, but he was wrong. Mm-hmm. See, wow. I got the I, I got I got the feeling that in that interaction, what I took away from it was Sonny wasn't realizing that this driver because he said like, oh, he's a cop, he's an undercover cop. I actually took away from this throughout the film because because before this, right, the scene right before this, um, Sheldon's out there. Sonny closes the door. Sal's inside, and and Sal's like, what did he talk to you about? And and Sonny lies to him and said he just wanted to. So I think Sonny was starting to sell, right? He's starting to almost. He's realizing this has gone over his head. He's actually trying to trying to back off, and he's making a deal non-verbally with the FBI. And in fact, Sheldon does a, a mouths ten minutes to Sheldon, or sorry, to Sonny as uh, as he's going back in the bank, and, and Sonny kind of nods to that. So I, I felt like this situation, this interaction, was Sheldon telling Sonny take the FBI agent because I, it's going to it's going to go down. I did not get that. So that's not that's not necessarily far off though. I'll get into the, a little that a little bit into the trivia, but put all a right, pin let's finish in that up one, movie Mike. real quick. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, so then uh, they all they all jump in. The FBI agents driving. Uh, they come out with their with the, all the hostages and and they they jump in the van. And Sal's sitting behind the FBI agent with his gun on him. And the FBI agent keeps telling Sal, 
you know, please put put your gun up because if I hit a bump, I don't want to get shot in the back of the head. And uh, they take off and they start driving out of the city. As they're leaving through the crowd, you know, all these people are banging on the on the on the car and people are cheering, people are booing. Uh, as you mentioned, like a couple of people are driving up next to the car and throwing beer cans at them. Uh, but anyways, they make it to the airport without without a hitch. And when they pull up to the airport, uh, the plane shows up, and right before they're about to uh, get out of the car, they think they got a home, you know, home free kind of a thing. Uh, they let one more hostage go, and she, knowing that Sal is this religious guy, gives a, a, a you know the rosary to him, and it's almost you know the Stockholm kind of feel of where the the hostages want to be free, but at the same time they almost have this relationship. Uh, but I digress. Um, the FBI agent pops open a little compartment, a little secret compartment on his door. And there's a there's a revolver in there, and uh, Sheldon walks up to the to the window, and right before they get out, he reaches in, grabs Sal or Sonny's gun, pushes it up against the dash, and the FBI agent turns around and blasts Sal in the head and kills him. Uh, all the hostages run off, and they uh, they put a gun a gun against Sonny's head, and they pull him out, and they arrest him on the hood of the car, and 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 it's the end of the film, and it it talks about how Sonny was serving twenty years, and you know blah blah blah, true story shit. They always do that at the end. Such <laughs> a horse shit. <laughs> I just the way that it was executed in the film, I don't necessarily know that killing Sal was necessary. Um I'm sure events played out differently in real life cuz uh Sal did get killed, but I feel like there was a point between the car and the plane where they could have, you know, Taken arrested him. both instead of yeah, instead of just blasting him in a car full of hostages but whatever yeah i can believe that that was dramatized (laughs) it was well executed whatever it was they they crushed it pun intended (laughs) damn shark yeah Uh, (laughs) i continue well so i guess i guess i'll go into this now um when uh john voitovich he uh i'll wait for mike wait where did mike go he had to answer the door. Has he been taken hostage? <laughs> Blink if you need help. <laughs> All right, sorry about that. Not yet, you aren't. Um, <laughs> 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 uh, what was I saying? Oh, so when oh, fuck, I totally lost my train of thought. Uh, no, you were saying John, when John, John actually had that happen in the film. Yeah, but what was I talking about? The point that I was bringing up about how he actually was kind of selling and going with the FBI and oh, kind of had this. Yeah. So when John Vojtovich was in jail, uh, he got the shit beat out of him because mm. when they 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 screened this movie in prison. Oh and, no! Uh, and oh, when the, so they thought he was a narc. Yeah, the other yeah. inmates mm-hmm. got the vibe that he was narking on Sal. Oh, and no. yeah, he was assaulted quite a bit in prison as a result, even though, as he claims, that was not the case. I think it was more of a, you know, the movieism. So, like, I yeah. absolutely see your point, Mike. Apparently, a bunch of convicts saw that, too. <laughs> yeah. Apparently, I'm not a convict. I just didn't see it. <laughs> what what prison guard or warden or whatever thought it would be a good idea to show the movie depicting one of their inmates? <laughs> oh, crime they, like they were so excited. They're like, we got a celebrity. <laughs> Our celebrity's a narc. <laughs> they just, the guards are watching. They just see that scene. They go, "Ooh, sorry, Sonny." <laughs> oh shit! <sighs> and Sonny's well, so like, "Better go to the hole for a while." John's probably on the phone. Like, can I can I get my phone call? He's just calling the director. Like, what the fuck have you done? <laughs> 
I mean, the prison system in Pennsylvania, where he was interned, was uh, not the best, I, I, I assume, because he got sentenced to 20 years, of which he served five. <laughs> huh. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know. Yeah, apparently well, he had a plea deal that was not honored, which is pretty shitty. Yeah, that's fucked up. You know, five, five of 20, though. Yeah, not. I mean, yeah. For somebody who's never been to prison, that's not a bad deal. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, he also threw it all away by, like, for parole violations and got arrested twice more, but... Ah, okay. Well... Yeah. Hey, you win some, that's you lose some. at that point, right? And um, he got arrested, and he's just like, Attica! Attica! <laughs> uh, so that scene, the Attica scene, um, very iconic one of the most iconic like movie scenes slash quotes um that the attica portion was improvised by al pacino oh really really, yeah. really? Yeah. but they discussed it a little bit or they so the attica scene happened after he had already had the conversation with the bank manager about attica so yeah did, so did they add it, that in yeah so it was a central part of like the motivation or the plot or one of the underlying plots um but the actual just hysterically screaming attica a bunch of times that was all al pacino Huh. Hmm. All right. Yeah. The Wyoming line was also improvised. Oh, nice. <laughs> Apparently, the director had to like avoid cracking up after. Um... <laughs> yeah, I would have died laughing <laughs> yeah. if you said that. <laughs> Wyoming. <laughs> what, what country do you want to go to? Wyoming. It's one of those like, yeah, you could pet, you could pet the rabbit, Sal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so. I I felt this the most in the the ending scenes here, but the sheer suspense uh, that was built so well done, and I think a lot of it was driven by the fact that there was no soundtrack in this film. Yeah, yes. it wasn't just just the song in the beginning. Yep, that was the only music other than like weird TV jingles and shit you hear throughout. But yeah. uh, that was an intentional uh, choice, and it lended itself to to creating just extreme levels of anticipation and suspense yeah it did i i kind of like so like at first i was like oh no this is gonna be boring i was like is this literally gonna just take place in the bank and for some reason i kept comparing this movie to inside man very two very different movies but (laughs) one like takes that like super hollywood movie you know where it's still good but, like, there's, like, this very intricate plan and, you know, twists and turns. And then there's this one, which is, like, negotiating and eating pizza. <laughs> like, but but they're both good. I was entertained in both. And I, yeah, this movie never did take that big twist. Yeah, which, you know, allows the suspense to build. But um, I kind of wish there would have been a little bit more that happened before the airport like that was a big scene and it is it's the big takedown but i i was i needed something to keep ramping up you know well i think what really where this really makes its money is the human interactions between the characters yeah because right before uh sal mentions very early on in the movie that he's never been on a plane before um and at the end when they arrive at the airport one of the hostages uh is being released out of you know good faith or whatever and uh, she hands Sal her rosary beads, and is like, "Here's you know, good luck for your first uh, airplane trip." And it's just this innocent like <laughs> thing seconds before he gets shot in the head. <laughs> yeah, and Sal's like afraid to get on an airplane. And if I'm Sunny, I go, "Bro, we're we're robbing a bank right now. 
<laughs> there's, there's snipers outside and you're you're worried about riding in a plane <laughs> i love i love that you brought up shane uh, a very hollywood hollywood uh version of a bank robbery by talking about inside man because this film did a great job of showing i've never robbed a bank so i don't know this for a fact but how it actually kind of would be for a, a less dramatic it's still dramatic but it's not as um bells and whistles explosions and you know michael bay kind of bullshit that you would see in a hollywood movie this was actually more of a representation of the strangeness of having they somehow managed to humanize a bank robbery (laughs) it feels like very like almost so if you think about a lot of movies i mean almost any movie right there's almost like this intellectual or emotional dishonesty right where you know, you have the soaring soundtrack that makes you feel something or like the, you know, the the soundtrack for Jaws, right? Like cranks up the anticipation, but it's yeah, it's almost like intentionally pushing buttons in your psyche, you know? And, right. you know, I, I can't say whether this movie is realistic or not, right? But it, it felt like it had this air of honesty that was really interesting, right? Where it, I, I keep coming back to this, but really so much of this movie falls on Al Pacino's shoulders to to make convincing and it really does do that i agree yeah not that a person acting is inherently honest but yeah they hire a security guard with asthma who doesn't take his inhaler to work apparently yeah and they brought that up in a conversation like you hired a security guard with asthma and that like the whole thing was he passed the security guard test (laughs) (laughs) he's like he puts the flag away at night man Uh, and I, I, I thought that security guard at first, I was like, he's either having a heart attack or he's about to do something crazy. Like that's, I thought he was going to pull a gun or go for the gun or something. And that was going to what kicked another moment that I thought was going to kick off. And it didn't like talking about character development, go back to that kid at the very beginning. I don't remember his name. The kid that ran away. Fucking he got out scot-free, man. Like Nothing came for him. Did he, in the actual story, did he get arrested later? I'm pretty sure he did. Did he? Oh. Let me look it up. But, I mean, like, his name, he's listed by name on, like, Wikipedia. And I'm like, well, if they knew his name. So they yeah, must if have they knew him. who he is, then, <laughs> yeah. then Sonny is definitely a rat. <laughs> How else would anyone know who that was? Fucking Sonny. just got picked up two blocks away. <laughs> I thought it was going to come back that he went and ratted. It's one of those like Franz Ferdinand situations. He just went to a coffee shop down the street and the convoy passed him. He's like, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. Nope. Yep. He was uh, arrested. I have the original New York Times article from 1973 up. Crazy. Hmm. Interesting. So I do have a lot of trivia. Let's do it. We're ready. Yeah, let's do it. Pacino had just finished uh, Godfather Part 2. The actual bank robbers in real life, as to get motivated for this robbery, uh, watched The Godfather, actually, the oh, night before. No. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so weird. Uh, Look how good I was, huh? That's, that's, some, <laughs> that's some weird, like, meta <laughs> shit, man. Yeah. Like I said, the uh, the sex uh, reassignment surgery was one of his motivations uh, for the actual bank heist. The other is a little bit up in the air, but uh, a couple of running theories. So John uh, Vojtovich says that it was a mafia operation. Oh, what? Um, yeah, there are other sources. that uh, The way he says it is uh, 
the mob had a fucking feud with Chase Bank or whatever, or whatever bank this was, and um, they were supposed to score this huge hit, and ca- and fifty percent was supposed to go to the mob and fifty to the split amongst the bank robbers. Um, huh. As far as I know, that's not corroborated. He did say he had a third party that was telling him that there was supposed to be a delivery that day. Yeah, yeah, that was a, yeah. That's a good catch. Um, other sources say that Vojtovich had like mafia debt to pay off. That makes um, sense. But there are multiple like mafia hints throughout uh, the the well, real story. Brooklyn 1970s. I mean, yeah. Go get this idiot. The robber bank. They'll send the message. <laughs> That was is that an Italian accent or a Russian accent? It's whatever mob you want. <laughs> <laughs> um, it in one of the scenes that again really plays to Sal's kind of childish uh, demeanor um, is he, he starts like talking shit on one of the hostages for wanting to smoke, and yeah. he goes on this like big tirade about like <laughs> you know smoking's bad for you, and like I, I, I he, say, he specifically says he doesn't smoke because he doesn't want to get the cancer. and uh john john cazell the uh actor probably butchered that but the way he uh the actor who played sal ended up dying from lung cancer three years later should have listened (laughs) shit (laughs) yeah there's a lot of the character you played (laughs) there's a lot of um improvisation throughout the film uh which is really cool uh it It did feel like that yeah yeah, it's just everything felt so, just like you were saying before, like a, a, a real how it might have gone down, you know, if amateurs try to rob a, rob a bank. Right. Yeah, um, I, there's some other interesting stuff too with how Vojtovich is, um, like just not, I don't know, like mentally firing on all cylinders, I guess. Um, there were like later documentaries like by artists and stuff. And uh, there's like this like really interesting speculation that having seen the movie Dog Day Afternoon has like sort of merged with his memories of the actual event where like it has like totally altered the way he remembers it actually happening to the, yeah. you know, to <laughs> coincide with the plot of the movie, which is like this crazy thing to think about. Um it's a, a documentary called The Third Memory uh, that explored that. Yeah. He's like, then John Cazale came in to the bank and they're like, nope, nope, that didn't happen. <laughs> what? <laughs> Pacino originally turned down the role because he was pretty fucking burnt out from playing dark-ass characters Godfather. like Godfather Part 2. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so the studio... <laughs> The studio offered the role to Dustin Hoffman, and Pacino was like, oh, hell no, I'm over my dead body. <laughs> Could you imagine this with Dustin Hoffman? <laughs> it probably pretty good. Yeah, I think Pacino did a good job. He said, who what? No, no way. <laughs> <laughs> this was Pacino's fourth year in a row for getting a Oscar nomination. Good God, lord! That man burned himself. I can see why he was burnt out. Yeah, he went from Godfather to Serpico to Godfather Part Two, and then this movie. I confuse this movie with Serpico a lot because I read the plot, and for some reason, I inserted like half of Serpico into this. I was like, "How does an undercover <laughs> cop start robbing banks?" <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
they did some interesting shooting with this where they didn't do this in a studio. They pretty much bought a warehouse on a street like this and converted it into a bank and like took down and moved walls and stuff in order to shoot inside of it. Aww. I was really hoping that the actual like, uh, since this is a true story, I was really hoping that the uh, trivia would be that they filmed it at the actual bank. The employees, it was too real. Use <laughs> the employees, <laughs> bring actors in, <laughs> having PTSD flashbacks. Uh, no, that's not what I'm saying. <laughs> being being that this was an actual high profile case, there's a lot of good imagery and and stuff on supporting documents, I guess, on the real event. Um, you can find the wedding photo of uh, Wojtovich and um, what was Leon, Leon uh, whatever her Eden real name was. was. Her, her name yeah. in reality. It was weird that they kept Sal's name the same and changed everyone else's. Yeah, right. <laughs> really? Because he died like, and he wouldn't have anything to say about it. <laughs> yeah, I guess, yeah, I guess he's not going to sue. There Jesus. was part of that. They tried to, they tried to interview Wojtovich for the film and he was like, nope, you're not paying me enough. <laughs> he's getting his ass kicked in prison yeah. <laughs> oh You're man mad about that too so after he was arrested and then arrested again and then arrested a third time yeah. throughout throughout his sentences and stuff eden visited him uh like monthly um she ended oh. up i believe she did get the surgery if i if i'm not mistaken yeah, I was, it, uh, it said in the film yeah. she did yeah yeah and then she um she actually married someone else. <laughs> I mean, he's uh, in prison all the time. Why wouldn't yeah, you? Yeah, and then and then she was divorced, and she uh, eventually died of AIDS. Yeah, in nineteen eighty-seven. Yeah, I mean, era. even the film portrays the relationship as like failing at best. So yeah, don't yeah, don't blame her for marrying someone else. Vojtovich was able to attend her funeral and and gave a gave a eulogy. Man, you can go on Google Maps and look at the place where it, the actual event happened. And it's like, um, you know, multi-use apartments now. So, <laughs> Oh, there's no there's uh, no bank there anymore? No. It, oh, I think, got so converted to a medical center recently. And, yeah. Hmm. Um, there's a website right. on it, about it at the Chase Alumni Association for former employees of J.P. Morgan Chase. So this was the Chase Bank, huh? Yeah, no, 100%. Um, right. I don't think Chase is mentioned in the movie, though. No. No, no, no not at all. Anyway, let's cut to our sponsor, J.P. Morgan Chase. <laughs> 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 so let's talk about sort of the reception and the you know money it made. I think this one, you know, it, it was made with, you know, about three and a half million, maybe 3.8, and brought in 50 to 56 when all was said and done so it's just enormously successful and you have to imagine it's one of those movies that's kind of capitalizing on a, a recent event right like in sully or you know whatever stupid crap was made about benghazi or whatever right like it's you watch your mouth about it, 13 uh, hours or whatever the hell that was <laughs> i don't remember the name of it <laughs> or the one about the captain whatever the you know, like the the current events. Whatever movies. current event Tom Hanks is acting in. Yeah, <laughs> Apollo thirteen. Um, <laughs> so you literally named two after real events featuring Tom Hanks. <laughs> Saving Private Ryan. Toy Story. <laughs> <laughs> Toy Story, of uh, course. What was it? Terminal. The 
the funeral with Catherine that actually Zeta-Jones. was a, a real event god damn it uh, <laughs> cast away <laughs> so yeah I think it was super well regarded by critics yeah I mean well regarded from the start I think you know everyone loved it right there were a lot of lawsuits um uh, Voidovich's wife sued them for it for you know the way she was portrayed and uh like the way she contributed to the film and yeah she got 500 well she was paid 500 dollars for her contribution and then sued later for like an invasion of privacy lawsuit and later lost Voidovich, i think sued also again and settled for you know forty thousand dollars which is a lot more than he made stealing the bank so um <laughs> he made out like a bandit <laughs> that's that's where the yeah, money is, is was... suing the studio after <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it was all part of the plan. <laughs> we've uh we've kind of touched on this, but this movie has certainly like cemented itself into, you know, popular culture and like the I guess American psyche, right? Like Attica, Attica is one of the most famous movie quotes. Like it's inspired like the plots of like seven Simpsons episodes, you know, if that's a, a measure for anything. <laughs> so <laughs> I mean, this is, I would say, probably one of the more influential movies we've watched so far. Not the Mm. most, but I I would argue it's up there. Yeah. But I'd say it had the feel of being an influential bank robbery movie. Yeah. Pacino's performance was just so good. Like, and even for, you know, Al fucking Pacino, like one of the, just to get, get more on his ability, the, the phone call scene between him and his wife was mostly improvised. So, like, you know, he's drawing on the emotion of the scene to to improvise those lines. And it went on so long that, like, they had to switch cameras halfway through just so they wouldn't lose it all. Damn. Yeah. That's, that's committed. He did such a great amount of work in the span of 15 years. Yeah. And then just disappeared. Now he dances in Adam Sandler films. <laughs> <laughs> At least he's not Robert De Niro starring in The War with Grandpa. He's rapidly trying. <laughs> he was in Devil's Advocate, right? With Keanu Reeves. Anyway. Yeah. Did you put did you say the box office numbers? Yeah, it yeah, made a lot of money. Okay. Um yeah, so with that said, let's move on to the real reason everyone's listening, which is to hear where we put it on this oh, list. Shit. I know I've been I've been looking, which I I know is going to be a challenge for me. But fortunately, I don't go first. June, where do you put it? What? You're cutting out. You've been cutting out all cast. Yeah, it's been killing me. Yeah. I don't, oh. I'm actually very excited to hear what you had to say this. Uh, yeah, cast. me too. And honestly, Jack, like you really have. I thought it was me, but you're. I haven't heard shit no, from you. J- Jack's been saying stuff, and Mike's just been like, "Mm-hmm, yeah, man." Mm-hmm. <laughs> Excellent I'm a point. I'm, I'm a hype man. That's all I do. I've been getting talked over so much, and I'm like, "Man, this is a weird day." Well, now I know why. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, it's gonna be an editing nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> As if it ever isn't. <laughs> uh, All right. Did you say June? Where do you put it? June, where do you put it? <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> okay, this is real rough. Um, it is though, huh? I think I'm gonna put it at number six. What? Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> 
number six between Magnolia and The Sound of Music. It it wasn't quite as emotionally, uh, didn't incur as many emotions as Magnolia did for me. But I just love how fresh this was. It's such a great take on a kind of, not played out, but a common theme of a movie. The execution mm. was so different and unexpected at a lot of turns. Pacino's performance, everything. So, yeah, uh, fucking six. Damn. Is it my turn? Shane? Shane, where do you put I this? Just, I was for like, I, I just wait for a, a message from God, apparently. <laughs> just... <laughs> a message from Jack. <laughs> a, a garbled me trying to talk. Uh, okay. I'm just going to say Shane, 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 <laughs> and then June, you just you just edit in whichever one lines up, right? <laughs> okay. So, I really enjoyed this movie, and I was looking down the list, and I think I would watch the above movies before I'd watch this. So, I'm going to go number 18, just above 12 <sighs> Monkeys, no under way. Rain Man. <laughs> I really like the film, but... I don't. Everything above it, I also really love a lot. Sorry, King Speech. You're just you're getting lost. You're just <laughs> deeper, and deeper. I can't save you. I'm letting you go. No, I'm convinced that you are like intentionally just keeping King Speech as dead center of your. Yeah. <laughs> I don't um, think it's intentional. All the movies above, like I think, like I think it's a better movie than Blood Diamond. But I'd watch Blood Diamond a lot more than I watched. Dog Day Afternoon. Uh, doesn't take anything away from it, but yeah, 18 for me. TIB, this is Brooklyn. I assume your joke was hilarious. Yeah, you put <laughs> out there. <laughs> you might have said it's my turn, so I'm just going to go. Um, <laughs> uh, you know what, Shane? That is exactly uh, my sentiment. You said it great. Uh, Blood Diamond, Rain Man, I'm putting it at number 18 as well. It is right below Blood Diamond. I thought the movies above were great. I like this movie, but Rain Man's not as good. Yeah. There you go. All right, everyone clear clear the... Stop talking so <laughs> I can the talk unimpeded. <laughs> <laughs> clear the net so June can edit whatever you can find in my voice in later. Um, <laughs> this is tough for me. I think I put it at... Um, where is this? Number 11. One ahead... Or, I'm going to do number 12. Just behind Rio Bravo, just ahead of Ratatouille. So I think this kind of fits with Rio Bravo. It's instrumental in its genre. Really good. Not the best movie I've ever seen, but certainly really good. So with that said, now that we've ranked it, uh, Final Judgment, do you recommend watching it? June? Yes, absolutely. Shane? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Watch it. Shane? Shane. <laughs> Shane. Watch it. In, interlinked. <laughs> ah, ah, Shane, interlinked. <laughs> so now I got to watch the movie Gattaca because I feel like it has no relation to Attica. <laughs> no. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, give it a watch. It's good. I liked it. It was. It had that '70s vibe. Like I don't remember a lot of movies that came out of the '70s that were worth watching, besides like you know E.T. and Star Wars and that kind of thing. But this one had that uh, better film kind of version. It wasn't silly. It was good. Yeah, yeah. I'd say watch it. It's worth a watch. Every dog has its afternoon. 
All right. Well, thanks for watching, everyone. Uh, next time should be an interesting one because if I remember correctly, we're moving on to The Exorcist. Did you, yep. did you just say The Exorcist? Yep, it's The Exorcist. The Exorcist. Is so oh. exciting. I've never seen it. What? Me neither. Oh, this is going to be <laughs> yeah, good. This will be um, interesting. I'm not really like a horror movie person. So this will be I uh, love fun. old horror. Like little behind the scenes for me, I wasn't actually allowed to watch this because when you watch a movie about the devil, it invites the devil into your house. Oh, we're screwed. Mm. What about the devil wears Prada? Oh, no. <laughs> I can't afford all those bagels. <laughs> June, if you watch that, it, it invites the, the devil into your closet. <laughs> uh, good times. All right, well, let's uh, let's go watch a possession film, huh? da 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 <laughs> da 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 Attica! Attica! <laughs> <I know. laughs> <laughs> Alright, I'm stopping. <laughs>